0: Like we always do, we always gotta do a live. We feel bad for the Sox, the hell that they're going through right now. It's just so tragic, man. It's tragic. They only three and four. <laughs> they're three and four. <laughs> yeah, they are three and four. But here, Internal Larusso say, I'm, "I'm sucking it up." Means get your liquor together, everybody. This is running with war. <laughs> Running for the war.
1: That's how we starting out? All right.
0: That's how we starting out, man. (laughs) I'm I'm a Chicago guy when it comes to baseball, so I'm going for Sox or Cubs either way. I think the Cubs are better for the in-game experience, but I do prefer some some winning on the south side. (laughs) And to hear what's been happening, I I don't know. I I feel like I just need to have my, my, my case of beer together. D if Demon's was was, you know, listening in right now, I'll tell him I'll tell D to get the bud. straight. Like we we, we can do this, we can do this all season long, because if this is gonna be like this, man. Whew. But this is the basketball show. It's gonna switch over to the NBA. Switch over to some basketball where stories never die. They live forever. And quite frankly, we just can never just stop talking about it. Cause that's <laughs> what we like to do. And obviously, unfortunately, we have another go around without, our, without, without the boss, man, Kyle. So we thank you for allowing us to run this show the way that we see fit with it, because that's what we do. Um, that being said, man, Kevin Durant came back last night and he literally played like he never left. Uh, <laughs> the Nets were balling. He blended in very well with the new acquisitions. I mean, is there any? I, I don't think there's anybody stopping the Brooklyn Nets at this point, um, especially when everybody's healthy. Because it's literally just plug in players, plug in, plug in. Like Glade. It, 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 it just works. You plug it in, and then automatically the scents just come out, and it changes the whole aroma in the room. That that's what it is with Brooklyn. You just plug in a superstar, plug in a nice or a nice quality role player, and the aroma just shifts in the room. It <laughs> shifts from a losing culture to a winning culture, and everybody blasting Jay Z in the middle of the Barclays Center.
2: He doesn't even own the team anymore,
0: right? It's Jay Z right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jay. I want a live stream, man. I want a live stream. You talk about tuning your music. I'm trying to promote your like your next your next thing that you got going on. <laughs> shout out to Jay Z and Rock Nation, Brooklyn stand up. Um, and shout out to Biggie Smalls while we at it too, because you know they they made those jerseys for Biggie as well. So shout out to to the Notorious B.I.G. Um. <laughs> I understand them. I like to be called Big Papa too. Uh, <laughs> let's get back on script, man. Uh, <laughs> back to the empty to the Nets, man, Drew. You can kick us off, man. What what was your thoughts on Kevin Durant coming back? Um, how did he look in the limited minutes that he played? And quite frankly, is there anyone that could beat the Nets at this point? I think I feel like at this point, it's theirs to lose. But convince me otherwise, sir.
1: I mean, just first off, as a basketball fan, it's, it's good to see him back, man. The man that missed 23 games, I believe it was. Um, first time he touched the ball, he turned it over. After that, it was a rabbit scene. Like, man, he went off for 17 points, didn't miss a shot. Uh, I think he had five, seven boards, five assists, um, a block perhaps, I think. Um, so that – but on the flip side of that, he comes back and James Harden is out now. So, you know, they're still going through this situation where they can't get all three of their superstars together on the court. I think um, the three of them have only played what amounts to, like, the equivalent of four games or a little bit less than four games together. So they still got some gelling they'll have to do um, once everybody gets healthy. Um, I'm going to plug my guy, Rob Mahoney of The Ringer. He just did an excellent piece on the Nets, kind of talking about Steve Nash and just – everything that they've had to kind of go through um in response to COVID, in response to injuries in response to trades um they've actually run out 26 different starting lineups which is crazy and yet they i believe they have the third best winning percentage in the nba so to your point to a lot of people's points you know the nets it's not it doesn't look like a foregone conclusion but it would make sense for anybody that's willing to put any amount of money on somebody to win a championship. It would be them. That said, um, I'm still interested in seeing what these matchups are going to look like in the East between um, them, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Heat, perhaps. Uh, But man, you got those three crazy talented offensive guys over there. You got Blake playing like You know, he skipped over his whole Detroit tenure and just went from Clippers Blake into Nets Blake for some reason. LaMarcus Aldridge is a a nice post-up threat in there too. Um, Joe Harris, you know, guys that can hit threes. Claxton, DeAndre Jordan, they can be, you know, pick and roll threats. Uh, So it's going to be tough sledding. It's going to be tough sledding for the East for sure. Um, The West is also interesting too. Um, if we're talking about potential finals matchups, you know, you got the Lakers, the big dogs of the of the West, trying to get their two main cogs back. Uh, I think I just read something th- today where Anthony Davis may be back after their latest road trip, and LeBron may be back toward the end of this month. I think. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, that being said, you got the Jazz and the Suns leading the West right now. Um, who would have thought that? You know, I think people. You know we're kind of high on Chris Paul going to Phoenix and seeing what he can do with Devin Booker, um, and just people knowing that the Jazz are a, a solid team, but I don't think anybody expected those two teams to be out front and center, so it's, go- it's gonna shape up for a very interesting next few weeks for the NBA and its fans,
0: yeah. I mean, to pick back off of what you're saying, Drew, especially when you talk about lebron and these lakers uh i don't know what he up to but you know lebron will always be cooking up something and he made an instagram post today three hours ago from this recording talking about weather man the weather man says the weather is changing soon and predicts (laughs) a thunderstorm is coming folks prepare and take proper precaution measures to stay safe and he's talking i'm like yo you, are you trying to tease that these niggas coming back real, real, real quick. <laughs> Ignore that message, y'all, if y'all was watching this last stream. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you see what I mean? Like, it's him and AD, and they talking about, you know, we got a storm coming. Well, what, what, what you trying to say, bro? You trying to say that y'all coming back, you know, quicker than what we expect? Are y'all trying to say that y'all going to be fully healthy when y'all come back? Because, I mean, Anthony, I, love, I love my boy A.D. from the shot. Much as LeBron loves Chicago hoopers because he just can't win a title without them. <laughs> I mean, A.D. stay hurt. At least D. Wade had some, you know, even though he was getting older, he wasn't this injury prone. He was horrible, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't this injury prone. A.D., he getting hurt left and right. So I'm like, can A.D. stay healthy? I mean, if LeBron's coming back, all right, cool. You know you know, you cannot ever doubt LeBron and any team that he's on. He's proven that. But you really trust AD to come back fully healthy to where if he comes back, he can make it through now to the end of the, of the postseason, which is for the Lakers and anything King James related, the championship or at least the NBA Finals. I don't know, man. I think this. I think that injury is a little bit more serious than what you know is being reported. We may be looking at like another KD situation, and we know how that went. So I don't know. Is he teasing me, Chris? Is he giving me my feelings? Is he, <laughs> is he saying that you know, ain't no sunshine when she's gone. She's always been gone too long. Anytime she runs away, <laughs> AD better been away for so long, man. I just wanted to come I just wanted to come back and actually stay and be healthy to help make this thing very competitive. I can't I mean, because we all want the matchup, but it's like it won't be the same without that extra one on the side, man like it just won't be the same
2: <laughs> before we get into a black dynamite type of of analysis rabbit hole, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> It's like and you know what spells that you spell that backwards and you know it comes to this (laughs) anaconda malt liquor (laughs) no um i mean lebron is a master tactician both of um on the court and in the in the media game he understands how much this social media landscape has, has shaped basketball as well as sports especially basketball because It is such a kinetic sport, and I think that translates to social media. Social media basketball fans and followers and watchers like ourselves, we want that news. We want that news in the offseason. We want that news during the season. And so you can tease things, you know? You can um, hint at things. You can, without playing your whole hand. And that's, I think, another thing that LeBron is, uh, to some degree, good at. He's good at not tipping his hand. He knows when to hide that he's got the big joker. He knows that he's got nine and impossible, and he might bluff you. Um, if you really read into it, talking about thunderstorms, if does Oklahoma City have anybody left that the Lakers might want to pilfer for the stretch run? I don't know. I don't necessarily know. I think it's it's really stands up to what you were saying, Josh, that uh, they need AD back. And, man, we love Anthony Davis, but he is good for one – two-week injury at least every every single season. I think last year, unless I'm wrong, was he hurt last year at some time too? He got hurt um, during the playoffs, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. And this Achilles injury, man, that's nothing to sneeze at, you know, especially Mm -hmm. for a guy of his size who does the things that he does. Achilles injuries are rough on you. Um, So I I think even when he comes back, he's going to be uh, below – 90%. Ninety percent, because if you say everybody's healthy at the beginning of the season, the best players who stay healthy throughout the season probably are still only operating at ninety percent by the end of the season, just with the day-in, day-out toll that the game takes on. So I honestly would think, especially given all of the deals that Brooklyn has made to bring on um, role players, they they picked up, you know, they picked up Ant Man, they picked up um spider-man they picked up winter soldier they got all these other all these extras on the cast for the final movie just you know somewhere they they wouldn't just go down to the regular avengers they got everybody back like the portal scene so i think the lakers are trying to put feelers out and see who's left who can they pick up for the stretch drive because it's not the same as it was last year i mean the the bubble threw a lot of things out of whack, but even in a shortened season, it's not the same as it was last year, especially when you have those two guys out. The Lakers were humming, but you lose your two best players and you got to do some damage control. And now Kyle Kuzma's day-to-day too, as much as Lakers fans hate him, he's, he's, he's an important piece to what they need to do. So honestly, I think that they're going to try and bring on another role player, see if there's another scorer out there who would have to clear waivers. Now, the the trade deadline's passed, uh, but you could be right. You could be right. I just think that they would be more leaning towards bringing another player on.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. They they need all the help they can get. They recently just signed uh, Ben McLemore, who I guess if you want to compare when it comes to Chris's analogy of Avengers, he may be like another group. (laughs) <laughs> like this is a baby group He's, maybe he could be a, a tall group the grown group um but it's something that needs shooting um they need someone that can score a basket and get their own shot which is something he has, has the a skill set to do and has and has been known for doing that but we all know it's not enough they can't win without a second super at least a second superstar and someone like Andrew davis that is so versatile like you you can't. LeBron has made it known, especially with LeBron being at his age, even though he's still arguably the best player in the world. You know he he can't fully carry a full team like that anymore, and that's why AD was so huge, especially in the bubble. He he he, he You you could tell that was a perfect marriage per se that could last for a long time. We talking about on the court skill sets, and and LeBron needs AD, and like and AD needs LeBron. They need each other. And that's the only way this Lakers team is going to make it out. They can get all the help they can get, but if AD is not there for any of those playoff pushes and he's he's not healthy, you can scrap it. You can scrap it. And that's the unfortunate reality of the Lakers. And honestly, a lot of LeBron James teams, right? He has enough superstars, but he can never find enough role players to play at the highest level that they need to play at in order for them to win the championship. And you saw how he barely skated through in Cleveland. You saw how um, when he was the face in the full in the full flesh of things, even uh even in LA. I mean, you can see how you can get enough players to play with you, but are they are those role players going to be enough to get over the hump? And that's something that even though LeBron might have asked for, uh, he that's part of his critique as well as the GM, right? Or the player GM. You get players that you want, but they don't always fulfill up to the level that they need come the big moments, and we may be dealing with that again, unfortunately, considering the fact that all the players they really could have gone after all went to East and played with Kevin Durant, which is his arch, you know, nemesis at this point. We just want to talk about being the best in the world, and maybe it is KD's time to finally load up and and, and apply the LeBron James uh, rule when it comes to free agency and getting all the superstars you can to you know load up get the squad together and win it and win it your way BK style just in Brooklyn
1: <laughs> let me let me flip it back to let me flip it back to you though if all things being equal back to you guys I should say uh all things being equal everybody's like Chris said operating at 90 85 90 percent of, of what they were when the season started do you guys think there's anybody that can really compete? Or what teams, if any, do you see being able to stay with or compete with Brooklyn in either conference? It,
2: it's, it's hard for me to say because I still, even at this point, I'm just not watching enough basketball to get a feel for a team night in and night out. You know, and that, that's on me. That's on me not being prepared for the show. But I, I, I really, Man, I want to say, I think the Clippers might be the best bet outside of the Lake show, and I, I I want to, I legitimately want to say Milwaukee, but I still have that horrible taste from the last couple seasons in my mouth, man. Especially especially the um, the season uh, twenty nineteen, when they lost out to Toronto in the in the conference finals. That was their conference finals to lose, and they lost it in such debilitating fashion, it that stayed with me. I don't know. I hope it didn't stay with Milwaukee fans, but it stayed with me. So even with bringing on P.J. Tucker, even that, and, and I might just undervalue P.J. Tucker uh, more than other people. I, I think just given what you said earlier, Drew, I do. I know he adds um, defense, he adds toughness, he adds rebounding, and he adds the occasional three. Uh he's not a he's not a job, a big time scorer or a shot creator, but he fills in some holes on your on your team when you might not get that from one guy or two guys. He fills in a lot of things that guys can or won't do. But I don't is it enough? You know, like they locked up Drew Holiday, which is good, which is real good, but is it enough? Are these things enough to get Milwaukee to the promised land of the finals, not even winning the finals, to the NBA finals? With the best team with the best player in the league right now, they still haven't made the finals, so that's why I can't say Milwaukee is the team who I could think would take down who I think would take down Brooklyn. Now I have a shot, but I don't know if they'll if they'll have enough. And so, I, I'm looking at the Clippers and the, the Jazz. I think all the like you said, all, all things considered, altitude. Quinn Snyder's defense Donovan Mitchell's determination and just just the team that they have that it just it works man this it, it works Joe Ingles has that Australian like get under your skin type of play and he's just he's a good basketball player he's a really good basketball player was, he's like he's a Joe Harris type you know just he, he gets it he'll get his head in and get rebounds and he'll hit the three automatic for you and so that's just a well, really well put together team, and you got to deal with the altitude when you play the Jazz. So I think those are the two teams, the Clippers and the Jazz, who have the best chance um, outside of the Lakers when their two when their two big guys come back of taking Brooklyn out. And so that means that I see the Nets in the finals today. Yeah. That might change next week, but today I see the Nets making the finals.
0: I think it's it's to lose, um, just because you know Chris mentioned Milwaukee. Milwaukee ain't going nowhere until Giannis develops his game. That's just that's just where I'm at at this point with, with Milwaukee. Milwaukee can get literally anybody else they want, but if Giannis does not develop a scoring game that involves low post presence, decent mid range, at least and at least more of a if more of an efficient jump shot. Yeah, they're not going nowhere because you can't run people over like you like you do in a regular season when it comes to postseason. The season, you know, postseason play, playoffs, it's a half court game. Things slow down. It, it's literally, literally based on skill instead of what you are accustomed to doing on a regular open gym basis in the NBA season, regular season, right? So, and Giannis has shown, he, 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 he flails, he flakes. He, he doesn't have that, arsenal just enough for, built for the playoffs and the Bucks just don't have enough around them drew holiday's just not going to cut it even though he's, he's a hell of a player he's just not going to cut it and get them over the hump that they need to get over the hump so i think milwaukee's gonna be out of it if i had to choose anybody from the east i would say philly Philadelphia, um with the you know emergence of mvp joel Embiid if he can if he can stay healthy if ben simmons can play at the elite level that he has, especially defensively as a defensive player of the year candidate. That would be ideal. They have better shooters than they had last year that are really performing at a high level. Tobias Harris has emerged in ways that he's this year that he hasn't last year. The promise is there, but I but I think what's stopping me from even saying Philly too is the fact that history, you know, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together, they have been able to make it past the first first or second round. Or second round, I don't think it's the second round. Having been able to make it past the second round. And on top of it, has Doc Rivers actually learned from his playoff mistakes? Has mm-hmm. he learned from the 3 1 deficit he gave up twice in his career now? Like two two separate teams. But you you let it happen in your tenure. Um, that's scary. It's kind of scary. So uh, as much as I believe in my Maywood native, my Professor wes native, and as much as I believe in my brother, I got to see you coach. I got I got to see you coach in a way and perform in a way where you can't give up a 3-1 lead, lead like that and you can maintain positive play with your best players and superstar talent you have on your roster. So I can't put Philly in that seat just yet. It's interesting you did bring up the Jazz, because the Jazz to me have become the more modern day Spurs now, where you have, you finally have a superstar that you draft, you have a, a big, you have a couple superstars that you've drafted, and you brought in quality role players that play in a Popovich-like system and really takes your team to another level, especially chemistry-wise. Um, Donovan Mitchell has arrived, people. He has arrived. He is here. And he showed it last year in the bubble. He's showing it so far this year. Uh, they played just last night against Phoenix, and he he came through, dropping a forty piece, bring, uh, bringing the Jazz through the, through overtime. Like this dude is here. He's arrived. Go Bear has established his presence as a as a quality big man, especially defensively. And and they, and they have other players that know their roles, and they're playing their roles at a high level. And it's all and like. Chris mentioned it's always tough to play against Utah in that altitude. Utah's one of the toughest places to play at, so you factor that in there. Yeah, they may that might give Brooklyn a little bit of trouble, um, considering that. But it's when you're talking about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden at the healthy, all three of them healthy, with a LaMarcus Aldridge, a Blake Griffin, a DeAndre Jordan, and Joe Harris and and we can't even mention you know what happens with maybe spent to Dinwiddie, depending on his on his uh recovery. If if they go deep enough, he may even want to be able to come may be able to come back too. I mean, that's a scary lineup. That's a scary lineup for anyone to want to guard and defend. So I really don't know uh that anyone really can compete in the Eastern Conference when you're talking about taking on the Brooklyn Nets and preventing them in a seven game series on top of that to win the, not just the East, but the NBA finals. I don't see it happening. I, I and Especially if the top players are not healthy. And I think a team we need to watch out for as well. Watch out for Denver. Denver has been hot. They've been hot mm-hmm. since they got that Aaron Gordon, uh, since that Aaron Gordon trade, they won seven straight. And, Aaron Gordon seems to fit in real nice next to playing next to Jokic. And you talk about the emergence of Michael Porter Jr. They started to implement bowl ball a little bit. I'm telling you, if, if, they, if they keep this thing going and Jamal Murray actually comes up and arrives, even though he has arrived in the bubble, it wasn't in a way where it was a consistent play throughout this season. He's been very inconsistent this season. If he brings that type of mentality, that assassin mentality that we know he has, all throughout the rest of the season into the playoffs, Denver's going to be looking kind of scary too. So I think there are a few teams that can obviously give the Nets fits. You're talking about taking over, trying to remove themselves, remove this team from a championship? I don't know, man. I'm, I, I, I don't see that happening. I'm just going to sip on my drink
1: <laughs>
0: and just watch the fireworks because you're talking about a, a three-headed monster like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. That's box office. That's Harlem Globetrotters. That's, <laughs> that's Uncle Drew. That's all that in I, I don't, I don't one. I don't know if you can top that considering that you also have reinforcements that are just as talented. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I do know one team that we may not have to worry about. It's the Bulls. <laughs> they're playing right now. <laughs> they've been having some growing pains, right? They have, you know, they've been they made blockbuster trade and getting Butcherovich and a couple other reinforcements like Daniel Theus and Troy Brown into this into the shy. And now they're here. They played a few games, and I believe um, they've lost. No, they won the most. They're on a the two game winning streak now. I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Four three. Great. I
0: believe either tonight or tomorrow.
1: Yeah, they're two and but, four, two and four in their last six since the uh since yeah. they those players. But like you said, they won the last two games. Shorthanded Toronto squad tonight. Shorthanded. Um, oh man, who do you got going? Shorthanded Hawks team coming up after that. So I mean, they got some space here to take advantage of a softer portion of their schedule. Um, mm-hmm. coming off what what was arguably the toughest uh, when you consider. They were on the road and having to try to mix in these these new pieces with the old. So, yeah,
0: yeah that that that's very true. And I like how you mentioned the mixing with the young and the old, like the the veterans with the younger players. I mean, Billy Donovan is so known for that, right? His coaching history ever since Oklahoma City he was mixing young players. See, especially last year with Shake Gis Shake uh, Gilchrist Alexander pairing him with Chris Paul. You know, working with these young guys to help develop their talent with savvy veterans that are very talented and known and have very good knowledge of the game. And that's, that's a formula that works for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it. You've, you, you've seen it when they, when, he, when they changed the lineup and made the bold changes of bringing Thaddeus Young into the starting lineup, bringing Thomas Hederaski to the starting lineup, moving Kobe White and at one point Wendell Carter Jr. to the bench before they traded him. Uh, You know, Billy Donovan had made it serious and made it known, like, okay, if you're not going to develop, I'm gonna give you ways to develop. You just may not see it on the court. And, you know, it it woke the Bulls up and the Bulls had made it it known that, okay, we need to change this because this ain't working. And they made the changes and, you know, now we are, here we are now. We actually have two all-stars on a team at the same time, which hasn't happened since Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler. So. I think it's, I think it's gonna be some there's gonna be some excitement in the city of Chicago, but knowing us, since we've accepted so much mediocrity for so long, do you hit the panic or patient button? because I know you didn't made the changes, you're seven going on six, seven, eight games in. You haven't been winning too much. So what's this how should Bulls fans feel? After this start that just happened in the second half of this season, especially since this trade deadline,
2: I mean, a lot of these games were winnable uh, before the trade. The Bulls have—I mean, you look at you look at their their margin of victory over the season. The Bulls have a lot of five and four and three point losses. It's it's actually gotten a little bit worse after the trade, and some of that is just taking time to get. Vucevic, Vucevic in, um, integrated with playing with new teammates, not with a system of sorts, just integrated into the lineup. Some of that has to do with Zach Levine's ankle injury. But I, I still, especially now, I think before I was annoyed to see that they were losing and to see games where they were losing, um, they let some games get away against Golden State. They let a uh, game get away against the, the Spurs a couple weeks back, and that was a horrible loss. And they had chances against uh, Utah and Phoenix. And they won their last two. I understand. KD and Harden were out for that game. And they beat Indiana, which is a quality win, but Sabonis was out for that game.
1: man bro. It really
2: – it doesn't say much for the playoffs. The Bulls' ambitions are not so lofty. Get to the playoffs. They have a team that can get to the playoffs. And then you build from there because you have pieces now that you can build around. Sure, you might want to get a fire draft pick. But knowing who and who and what Kate Cunningham is and will be, I don't know how deep this draft is. I don't know how deep next year's draft is gonna be. Um even though every player has an extra year of eligibility, I don't know what we're going to see next year in terms of players that the Bulls could reasonably get and reasonably kick the season for. Because one, there's no guaranteed first pick. There's no guaranteed top two selection with the new method for the lottery. And knowing the Bulls luck, they'll get seventh anyway. So there's no real reason to kick the season in is what I can see. So, if you get stuck in mediocrity for two seasons, and a mediocrity in terms of being a seven or six seed, fine, fine, man. You can win it. You can win around the of playoffs off that. Then you build from there. Everybody, I think, at this point, believes in Mark Eversley and Arturish I They believe that they have the right ideas going forward. I think everybody believes in Billy Donovan. If nothing else, is a refreshing change from to a coach, from to a coach. So the Bulls are on the right track going forward, but they still need to make the playoffs this season for me to consider it a success. They're, they're Right now they're five games out, and they've got 23 games to go. I said before could they make up three games. Now they've lost two, so they got to make up more. But somebody posted, I'm not sure who, but somebody posted their next few games and all the players that they're going to miss from now until the end of the season. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of big guns on these teams that they're playing upcoming that will not be on the floor. So now's the time. They got a a Toronto team that's in an absolute tailspin. They got an Atlanta team that's come on strong since Nate McMillan came on. They're 13-5 since Lori Pierce got fired. But that's still a team that the Bulls can beat. They got Minnesota. They've got Memphis, which is a difficult game. Orlando, uh, Memphis again, Cleveland. Um, a surprisingly flat Celtics team on the road. They got a lot of winnable games coming up. So now they've got to put it into action. You got to win games. Point blank period. You have to win these games. These games that you were letting get away, now's the time. Now's the time to prove that they you know, have something cooking. If you can take these games that you are supposed to win or even better, win a game that you're not supposed to win, come back and steal one, and make the playoffs, I don't care if they get bounced in the first round. You build from there. But the Bulls got to make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, man. that, that that's, Those are all good points. And it's going to be interesting how they do it, just because you mentioned the Bulls made it known by these trades that we're, we're gunning for the playoffs. We're, gun, we're gunning to at least get in the play-in tournament. We're gunning for it. And we're gunning to make – Change, instant change. We talk about the direction of where this team is headed, and you know I know it's going to take time, but Bulls fans have also been impatient, considering we we'll be, all the hell we went through with Gar Pax. Um and this new regime now I think it just gave us a new breath of fresh air per se. We can actually smell a nice aroma <laughs> in the U C that is serviceable for our for our for our liking, right? And because of that, you have to also wonder how, does, how the, more, the more time this Bulls team has together, maybe the chemistry will improve to where they can perform better on the court and put themselves in a better position to win games. Cause that's something that the Bulls struggle with as well. Not just, main, not just keeping leads, but also trying to find ways to win close games down the stretch. So now that you have an all-star, and Vucevic, a veteran all-star that knows how to play the game. You bring in guys that fit more of Billy Donovan's system like Troy Brown, toughness like Daniel Fias. These additions should be able to get us closer towards the hump as far as winning the games that we need to win, like you mentioned, Chris, and and, and at least put us in a better position to win the games we're not supposed to win or not expected to win because of the, uh, the added... The added abilities that the Bulls lacked for so long and struggled for so long to develop. So how can Billy Donovan now with this new group take all those knowing those lessons, knowing those things that he's trying to teach this younger Bull Squad into now putting it into more of his style of teaching and coaching like he did back in OKC, where there's more veteranship, there's more veteran leadership, there's more actual talented veterans that were there that can help aid and push this team along. How do you think that can benefit Don- Billy Donovan as he's making this – As he's pretty much going through a transition right now, midseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that is, is one thing. You know, we talk a lot about uh, the new and the old players kind of being able to gel and figure each other out and, you know, who wants to catch the ball where and, you know, who likes you know, certain players to cut off of him or give him room to operate. But I think even bigger than that is is Donovan figuring out his rotations. Um, that's been kind of a, a point of contention even before this this trade happened. A lot of people, uh, you know, <laughs> Denzel Valentine is like the slapping boy, the whipping boy of, of the Chicago Bulls fandom. Um, Art, Ryan Archie Diacono too, Felicio, even though he really hasn't seen too much time, but, uh, you know, figuring out what he wants to do, uh, especially with that 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 front court situation. You know, we went from being thin in front court to now we got a situation there where we have so much, so many quality players up front that it has pushed Donovan to play marketing at the three sometimes, which I'm not a fan of him playing out uh playing out on the wing, guarding another team's best three, because he just is not quick enough, I don't think, in my opinion, uh lateral quickness to stay in front of those guys. Um, nor can he recover really that well to defend them once they do get past him. I think um, you know, he's a shoddy defender as it is, but his better he has a better chance if he's defending, you know, maybe a post player rather than a a wing guy who's um who's got him on the athleticism tip. But uh, I mean that's gonna be important for Donovan figuring out these rotations, seeing how deep he wants to go. Um how he's going to use Kobe White and Lori, and Laurie marketing You know, they had really good games against Indiana, uh, giving a, a big spark off the bench. Um, but don't, don't don't sleep on the, the Daniel Tice acu- uh, acquisition. That might be bigger, not bigger than the Vucevich trade, but uh, just as meaningful. You got a solid veteran there, uh solid defender um, who can actually knock down a shot as well, who pushes marketing and uh, to have to play the three sometimes because he is just that good at at what he does um, with his skill set. So we'll see what's gonna happen. Like you said, Chris, they got a really soft portion of the schedule coming up, and then right after that, it's right back to a, a situation where you don't face a, an inferior opponent back to back nights. You know, you got still got Brooklyn again, you got Philly again, um, Detroit again, you got Milwaukee twice, Atlanta again uh the heat twice so i mean it's it's it's, they they got enough they got a another tough portion a tough stretch of games coming up so it's going to be important for them to really find chemistry with each other while they're not you know playing particularly tough opponents right now taking advantage of another team's misfortunes um because they've had those opportunities before the trade uh before the uh, Trade deadline, and they didn't always take advantage of them. Um, so I don't think it's it's funny, man, because before the trade deadline, as the season was going on, everybody knew it, it was an evaluative season. But I think even I fell into this, some fans went from, Yeah, you know, I just want to, I just wanted to compete to, you know, we need to get into these playoffs, man. We need to figure out a way to get into the play in. And now it's that's like on steroids now that they made this trade, like, you know. <laughs> It's just expectations. Just they, it's so wild, man. Uh, But to your point again, Chris, I think they got a team that there's no reason why they should miss the playoffs. Especially with two extra teams getting a chance to to battle for that seventh and eighth spot. Um, Now, how far up they can move up that ladder remains to be seen. They have been playing better as of late; those last two games. But even if you go maybe from the second half of that Phoenix game on. They started to really kind of, I don't want to say hit their stride, but you can see some things kind of opening up for them. Patrick Williams learning how to play the game off of Vucevic and really taking advantage of the attention that he draws and and making good cuts, solid cuts off of his um, post play and uh, facilitating that Vucevic and Thad Young give you out of that high post off of the the pick and roll. You know, Levine and Vucevic figuring each other out who wants, you know, how they can kind of manipulate teams and and really give them hail on those pick and rolls, man. I just hope that Levine also can get healthy, because it doesn't seem like he's kind of on, you know, nobody's on fresh legs now, but something is not quite right when you go from being super efficient for the better part of the year to all of a sudden, um, you know, it's taking you as many shots uh, to get like 19 points, you know what I'm saying? So we'll see, man. Take care of business, like I keep putting on Twitter, man. Keep applying the pressure. Keep applying the pressure.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what Bulls fans really are known for doing, right? They know how to put a lot of pressure on <laughs> on, on the players and this and the and the management to do you know to perform at a high level. And you know, as they continue to do that, bulls are currently sitting right now at that 10th spot. You talk so you talking about you was doing a play in tournament today. They get in by literally just a smidget. So they, they have, a, like, like you guys mentioned, they have a roster that, can, that is definitely playoff worthy. They should be able to make the playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference. They should be able to make the playoffs. But we also have to be cognizant of the fact that starting off with this season, at least I was, one of those people that said, yeah, they're probably not going to make it. Probably not going to make it. They may maybe giving them a year to, ahead of time. You know, give them an extra year to just figure out what they want to do. So, in a way, the Bulls put this on themselves because they told the world, "You know what we're doing, and this is the direction that we need to go." So, therefore, surprise us both, uh, Mark Eversley, Arturis Sarniavis, AK, you know, AKME, <laughs> and Billy O and Billy Donovan. Y'all, y'all need to surprise us. Y'all need to. I need to bring it because uh i'm telling you if y'all, if y'all don't do it there's gonna be some people that this there's gonna be some people at your at your office you know chicago don't play and i you know even if for
1: whatever reason they fall flat on their face and somehow miss the playoffs i still don't think it's really caused to to go too crazy uh being the the chaos that this season is you know give them give him another chance in the summer for Connor service to make even more changes to this roster give them a full Summer together, full uh, training camp, preseason, all of that stuff. And then, you know, you can start to go crazy if the results don't jive with the expectations.
0: If you want to listen to the humility aspect of a true (laughs) supporter, everybody, Bulls fans, listen to Drew.
1: (laughs) For your own sanity, don't, you know, (laughs) you got to add context to everything, man. Context is key. You're right. (laughs) <laughs> and and you got a point I think at the beginning of the
2: season I I said when we were on these um we were on these podcasts I said having the Bulls be watchable was good and nearly good enough but I really think the trade changed things you know they they surprised a the bit out of the gate a bit cuz they were always hovering around 500 and then when they made the trade I thought okay this is what they're doing. They're, they're putting the onus on themselves to at least, you know, make a run for the for the postseason. I, I know a Vucevic is a kind of deal that you do to build for the future while maintaining competitiveness. But with the NBA being what it is, I really just, you know, maybe, maybe I drank the Kool-Aid on it. Maybe I did, but I thought that that was a move that would get them to the playoffs. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that's what it looked like to me. But it, it's it's hard. It's so hard when you have a team that was 16 and 18 going into the break, and now they're seven games under 500. Man, it's it's, it's hard. It's hard to reconcile that with what they with the move that they made with the moves that they made because those guys that they let go were guys who everybody from, I think, the most optimistic fan, and in terms of Wendell Carter Jr., I was a huge optimist. It's difficult to square with the fact that, you know, those guys were the guys bringing the team down that weren't allowing them to play their full potential. And you get a guy who you know know can and will, but like you said, Drew, he's taking him a lot more shots to get 19 points, and so maybe it's just that, that, Introduction to a new to a new place and kind of recreating, reestablishing what the team is. But it, it's hard for me to to walk back what I said. It's hard for me to get off of, to to abandon that position, because I do think that that move is enough to at least get them to the playoffs. And I didn't even think about the playing tournament at that time. I'm talking about eight seed. I'm not talking about getting a ten. And then having a crack at three games just to make the regular round of the playoffs. I'm talking about making the accepted version of the playoff tournament.
0: Well, hey, whatever Kool Aid you drunk, I drunk out the same Kool Aid. I was trying to go for the perp. But I think I ended up with the cherry. So <laughs> I was trying to get that great, but I think you ended up with ended up with the cherry when it came to uh, you know the transition from Bulls um, predictions. Especially when you talk about the playoffs, they're play, they playing with my emotions. I need them to make the playoffs so I can have the great this time. Like I actually have the good sugary Kool-Aid, the one that, makes you, the one that really gets you hyper, makes you feel good. You can feel your blood pressure just rising just from that stuff. man. Like that's, that's the good Kool-Aid that we need up in here in the shot. So I need them to come and get it together. So I can kick back and, and drink that in, in, in the summer, you know, with summertime shy coming through real soon. I need to see them in the playoffs. So I can get my summertime shy on NBA style. Um before <laughs> we wrap up, man, I got I gotta jump into some WNBA talk because of course we got uh, WNBA extravagant uh on the on the show with, with C Breezy and the Sky Hook podcast. Shout out to shout out to James K yes, um man. and Chris as they have as they do the, show, the sky. Uh, is it a, this is
1: a, what's the name of the podcast
0: again? Skyhook, Skyhood. yeah. I was gonna say that, but I don't want to yeah. do name, so well, military, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to do y'all wrong, charge my head not my heart, but um, but yeah, like the um, the Chicago Sky, well, WBA as a whole released out the latest jerseys for the season. And I ain't gonna lie, the Chicago skies is sexy, boy. <laughs> Woo! They, they, they fine. I, I mess with them, especially when you're talking about the all-black pinstripes. Yeah, man. Oh man, that's sexy. I was like, I gotta get myself a jersey and have it hanging in the office, like, <laughs> 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 I'm gonna frame and put it in the office. This is a new regime, baby. Like, <laughs> it's a new era of Chicago style basketball, and. It's an exciting time to be in considering, you know, the chicago Sky. the past couple of years have made the playoffs. They've made deep runs in the playoffs. Um, you know, they have a young squad with, with behind Diamond, the and Gabby Williams, pairing that with the veteran play of Ali Quigley and Vander Sloot. And now you're talking about adding in Candace Parker on top of that with the pinstripes. Oh man, that black on sky blue baby, that's that's hype. That's i see. Chris may have to roll up in this roll up to the games in the black and sky blue just just because.
2: Hey, we gotta maintain objectivity, man. You know, we can't <laughs> we
0: can't <laughs> like, come on pressure wearing the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess you they ain't gotta know. I mean, I just that I, they asked just say, I like I like black I like sky blue and black and all this little this little bit little bit on everybody. <laughs> but I'm not I, I don't know about y'all. I thought the jerseys were fine. And there's a couple other teams that had jerseys too. I think I, I saw the Indiana Fever had theirs mm. and they, they was there was pretty I, I'm not going to lie that all different shades of red was kind of fine. That that's fine. They 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 hit the summertime, summertime flow, you know.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the uh the play on Stranger Things, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Stranger yeah.
0: Things jersey. Yeah. yeah, I I messed I messed with that. What was some of y'all favorite jersey that you got that you guys were able to see? Like what was your favorite team jersey that you were able to see?
2: I did like that. Um, I'm. I i have not even watched Stranger Things. I'm. I'm one of those dudes that's like, oh, everybody's real hype on it. Oh, okay, I, I. need to. Y'all need to back up. As it, it gets to be too much. I can't deal with hype trains. So I. I always try to let things die down a lot before I come at something. And so that'll end up being me two or three years later being like, yo, have you, if y'all seen this, yo, this is yo, this is this is fire right here. But the Chicago Sky jerseys are growing on me. Uh, they really are. Uh, when I looked at it this morning, I was a, I wasn't quite sold on the um, I wasn't quite sold on the black jerseys with the pinstripe. And looking at, you know, people told me a, a while back, when you do all of these intricate designs with the jersey, it has to come out, I think on TV. And so there were a lot of teams that would have words in the jerseys or in the, in the stripes or around the collar. And it's good. is it gonna show on TV? Especially in the age of high definition, six million cameras around eye, close up shots all the time. Is it gonna show on TV? Is it gonna come out on TV? So honestly, I like the Shy town with the shattered the glass ceiling look. I like that a lot. It, it might smack of some other teams who have had a, a similar motif, but it's asymmetrical. So it's not a pattern. It's not like an animal print, and the shytown Town logo is uh, is really similar to that black font that the Rockets uh, use on their jerseys, and that really comes out. And you got the six point star between the Shy and the Town on it, and the numbers I like more than the number design, the font for the um, for the Explorer jerseys and the Heroine jerseys that they came out. Since like... Quick sidebar. <laughs> It annoys me that Nike has just decided to come out with random ass names for these jersey sets. Because it gets to be too complicated, man. You could just say home, away, away alternate, home alternate, something like that. When you're talking about rebel and the heroine and explorer, what what does that mean? Those are arbitrary words. Those are just those don't have any meaning beyond the fact that they're attached to this jersey or this kit. So Nike, I know y'all are gonna stop because it's part of the marketing, but stop, stop, son, stop. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, those um uh, the the Chicago Sky the the Explorer Edition, the black jersey with the pinstripe, the faded pinstripes are really growing on me, and I think the um, the way that they fade is enough of it's enough of an um. Oh, I can't think of the right word. It, it makes you think about the skyline, without beating you over the head that it's the skyline or just doing the silhouette. That's so that's so common. That's pretty cool. I think they they tried to do like the inside the pinstripes. They tried to do um, perpendicular lines or words that are supposed to represent city blocks. But if it's ten by ten, somebody screwed up because they don't understand that eight blocks is a mile here. Eight blocks. Get your gotta get your facts right. <laughs> Uh, other than that, the Connecticut Sun did a lot of interesting things. Their blue jerseys are a nod to the, actually, so I shouldn't say a nod, a, um, I think a a thank you, I should say, as we get into this era where more and more um, teams are acknowledging the fact that this American land that we're on was populated by the indigenous peoples before, and being that this Sun play at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, uh, they they took uh, elements of Mohegan Sun tribe, the Mohegan tribes, um, patterns and and things that are important to them. And the key Susk means sun in the Mohegan language, so those are pretty dope. Uh, the 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 Stranger Things, like I said, the Stranger Things jerseys for the Fever are nice, and the Sparks kind of went with their um, kind of harken back to their older logo, <laughs> with the palm tree, and it's it's cool. It's it's simple it's it's recognizable and i think those those really kick and then the the rise jersey the rebel edition jersey that the mystics have that have uh, it's either the the um the first line of the constitution or the first line of the declaration of independence in the um curve and they also they also really look like jerseys that not if not the bullets had in the 70s they kind of remind them of those hawks jerseys from the 70s man. that were um near the neon green and blue so the mystics jerseys are, are really got a good kick those are my favorites
1: chris man get out my head bro get out my head man <laughs> You just the last the last part. Basically, everything you said is exactly what I was thinking, man. I, 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 I swear to God, like I'm really, I, I, I'm feeling all of those. All of those Scott jerseys are clean, man. I, I like them all. I was a little bit thrown off by the 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 shorts that go with the Explorer. Those are black jerseys. Yeah, something about it looks a little grammar schoolish, but I'm not gonna trip. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say that the Rise those those Mystics jerseys. It it's, it's it's simple. It's just something about something about the lettering, the different color stripe that goes across and around um, that I'm really digging. Um, as you were saying it, Chris, it's funny. I was trying to pull it up because it is just like that that other Hawks jersey um, that you were speaking about. I think um, like an old to, to Pistol Pete Maravich. Yeah, yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm I'm really digging them. Um, I wonder what you guys think in terms, is it too much to say? So we know there's been a whole bunch of controversies, too big too big of a word probably, but just in terms of the league and its promotion. And I know there was a, a lot of buzz. There's been a lot of buzz that kind of started with the NBA players, Chris Paul, I think Devin Booker, some other guys, LeBron James, and the orange hoodie um, that everybody was rocking. I'm like, man, where can I get that? Do you guys think that Uh, Nike putting, putting these jerseys out three different jerseys for these 12 different teams. Do you think that, how how do you think that helps the promotion of the league or do you think it's, it's, I'm making too much of a a big deal about it? Cause I mean, that was a big story on on social media all day about these jerseys and what everybody thought about them and how, how dope they were.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that I think that did play a huge role in the marketing and promotion of the WNBA. But this I think this is just an added step to what they already been doing to market and promote. Um if you want to talk about the fact that even since pretty much since the pandemic, the way they protested, the way they uh you know did the campaigns for Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, um, vote for Warnock, you know, those campaigns that they did throughout the WNBA and in that bubble. I think really amplified the realness of the WNBA from a marketing perspective, and they truly, and they benefited off of it. So now, I think they also realized too that okay, now that we got to keep the, the momentum going, and one of the ways to do that is to do the new jerseys every year that the NBA gets to do, like like it's nobody's business, um, and it allows the WNBA to get really in part of the, in part of the game. And I'm glad that Nike was willing to take on that initiative and really work with the WNBA to create these jerseys. Cause these aren't just no regular average jerseys to you. Like these are some fire jerseys um, mm. that you would technically probably see in the NBA game um, over time. And I like the concept that Nike went went with. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to look at the Mystics jerseys until now. So that rise, that rise jersey you guys to talk about. Yeah, that looks sexy, it's fine.
1: Yeah, sometimes um, less is more, man. Right. Like, yeah, it, that's the thing. It's,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fire. And the fact that Nike was able to work and come up with these concepts. I hope the WNBA continues to do this year after year after year. They, Because at the end of the day, they're, they're pretty much superstar athletes. Even though it may not be at the same magnified level as the NBA. They're still, they're still superstar talent. They're still putting on shows every night. They're still selling out arenas, whatever capacity of the arena that they're in. Um, they're putting in the hard work, just like any other just any other players. So they deserve the same respect. And why not give them the ultimate give help, give them that respect, and give them, you know, and provide for them what they truly deserve, which is up to date gear, up to date, up to um you know, facilities and things of that sort. I think the women's movement, women's sports movement alone really amplified in a way that once the NBA supported, once professional athletes that are, that are male supported, it just took on a whole wave movement to where now these companies really have no choice in a sense, but to support the movement. But I'm glad Nike stepped up and took on that initiative Cause is that something that they know they have been known to do in their history in general. So I'm glad I'm happy. I'm excited. I hope Nike continues to do um, these type of things, especially and even, and do even more within the WNBA. I mean, you created an NBA 2k game now that has WNBA players in it, right? Like that's, that's dope. That's expanding your audience. That's providing a platform for WNBA players to also make bread while also get to see themselves in a live video game. There's some game heads, too, you know, so it's, it, I think this helps bridge the gap in some ways, you know, of the ultimate respect between women's sports and men's sports. But to, and, and to do this, I hope Nike and other companies um, that are sponsoring these professional leagues will come together and help bridge the gap that much that much further.
1: Yeah, something that uh you know, this might have been late. Was it late last week? I really want to get you guys' opinion on man, the whole Draymond Green and WNBA situation where he was saying he was tired of hearing these players complaining about the pay disparity. Do you think? Do you guys think that he 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 was on to something, but it just he 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 spoke about it in completely the wrong way. Do you think he was completely out of bounds? Um, interested to get you guys' take on that.
2: I think he was... I, I hate to just go along with the crowd because I've, I've tried to think of it critically, but it, I think he was off, man. I, I think he was off. He was saying that you know the stories aren't told. A lot of these stories are told, man. There's, in fact, what happens is, and I've seen this from writers, media personalities like ourselves, people want to tell the stories but they get rejected. So many people after that came out who, who weren't seen as much because they weren't players or they weren't responding directly to um, the, the meat of draymond's comments because he was talking about the pay disparity but people were talking about when he said the stories don't want to you know the stories aren't told the story people don't want to tell these stories a lot of people have had pitches rejected or uh, the athletic, uh is getting some some well-deserved heat because they let go of essentially their entire women's basketball staff last year and then just put a word out like hey we're trying to hire women of color to write women's basketball for us you know not 12 not 12 months after they let go everybody they had had and i mean it's a it's a um for an example one example of a story that I've heard tangentially, but people need to hear. So Sue Bird and Diana Tarassi play for um, UMMC Ekaterinburg in the offseason. They played or they have played for that team. And this pretty much, you know, we, we talk about the Nets and the Heat and the Lakers being a super team. This is a super team. This is literally just rich Russian oligarchy oil corporation, I'm pretty sure pays the best WNBA players that they can to come over and play off-season European competition. So this is for EuroLeague. Like, um, you have Ekaterinburg, and then you have pretty much everybody else. They got Vander and Quigley right now, Brittany Griner, Brianna Stewart, Jonquail Jones. Like, it's a super team, bro. And they still got the best European players. But... The dude who used to run the team was some sort of spy, and he got executed, like a back alley. He was assassinated, and so there's a thirty for thirty uh, podcast of Sue and Diana talking about how this dude that recruited them for the team they woke up one day and they was like, "Hey, um, team president got assassinated." All right, it's time to practice. You know, let's go over these uh, sideline out of bounds plays. That's a story. <laughs> That's a story wilder than anything that has gone on in the NBA in the last like six years since the Sterling thing, bro. Wow. <laughs> that is a story. I've never heard that. That's, 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 that's crazy. That's the thing. I mean, that's ESPN. ESPN on the 30 for 30 podcast. That's been out for a couple years now. I heard it through my roller derby team. I heard it through some other people from women's basketball. I've heard the story. And that's those are the sports stories that we that a lot of us look for, right? We, we look for the day-to-day, but we also look for these random, crazy stories, like how Rodney Hood lived next door to Haley Williams from Paramore and didn't know it. Like I saw that pop up on Instagram. Those are the stories we look for, right? So a lot of these stories are being told, but even a lot more are being denied. And so Draymond, his heart's in the right place because I think he's speaking from – a place of wanting the women to succeed. I haven't seen Draymond come out with any, you know, male chauvinist type thinking. And I think a lot of the players now, especially the younger guys, the guys fresh out of school, are really big on supporting women's basketball and the WNBA. But he just he was wrong. He was wrong on it. He was wrong on it. He he just needed to, he needed more information before he spoke. That was all.
0: Yeah, Draymond is such a talk head that sometimes he forgets how to say things and when to say things. Um I can understand and relate with him because I used to be one of those guys and kind of still am from time to time. But at the end of the day, you know, that was I think that was an uncalled way for him to go about that situation. Because like Chris mentioned, at the end of the day, especially the young, you know. People more of my age and younger, they really do support the WNBA. I talked to Kobe White about this uh, when he when he got drafted the year he got drafted uh, at the Chicago Sky game. He he was sitting courtside. He's like, "Yeah, I love women's basketball. Like, I love watching women's basketball. I come and support as much as I can." So, Bulls fans and Bulls players, Chris and Chris knows Bulls uh, when we recovered the Chicago Sky game. Half the Bulls roster will come out to the Chicago. Sky Games. So because of that, the support is there for the WNBA from a player's perspective and just from a fan's perspective. But when it comes to social injustice issues, when it especially when it comes to money, NBA players, especially if NBA players are speaking out, they have to be very careful considering the platforms that they're on. Because they're the ones getting the major checks compared to the women. And it's an unfortunate circumstance that that you know that's taking place in the league. If you don't know your place and where your place currently is on a certain issue, you have to tread lightly in what you say. Because Draymond Draymond recently signed a fresh $100 hundred, hundred million dollar contract extension. He's, he's getting paid 20 some 20 some million dollars a year. Where the best, the highest paid player in the WNBA, which I believe is Diana Tarasi is making what? Close to a million dollars? Not off salary. And that's not-
2: from Endorsements.
0: Right, right. And and so, and there's, there's no millionaires. There's no millionaire athletes in the WNBA I don't believe. So if there's no WNBA, so if there's no millionaire athletes in the WNBA, how can someone that is making $20 million a year and we can easily argue if it's even worthy of $20 million worth of a year, can talk about someone who's not making that, and to tell them, even though he may not directly mean it, you know, I'm tired of hearing this conversation about women not getting, uh, uh, of, you know, women complaining about their money. Where's your position? Where, who are you to say that as someone that's making literally 20 to 30 times more than the, than the the most popular superstar in the WNBA. And you're not even, and you're not even the best player on your team. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is is something. Even though I understand Draymond Green's viewpoint as far as trying to support the NBA, and maybe being tired of talking about the topic. That's a topic that you can't relate with. So you probably should say whatever's best with the WNBA. I'll support it. That's why you have people like Andrew McCoughtry coming after <laughs> Draymond Green the and you know, and, and that sort. And and women are and and women are doing something about it. They're trying to get their stories heard. Andrew McCauley is a prime example because she just signed with Players TV, which is a media outlet associated and founded by investors like Chris Paul, Vernon Davis, CJ McCullum, and players that are in there that are superstar talents that want to help get their stories told. Carmelo Anthony. Mother Anthony just launched a media, uh, a media company too, that's focusing and targeting on telling the stories of the injustice. So the outlets are there. They're being created for these type of situations. But like Chris said, you gotta be educated more on what you're talking about before you just jump in hot like that. Because if someone making $20 million a year, and quite frankly, you're not the best player on your team. You, 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 talk, you remember was talking to Diana Taurasi who's not even making a million yet. And she's arguably the best person. She's by far the best talent. And the best player in the WNBA.
1: Yeah, I don't think I know. I'm pretty sure we did this when it happened um, in July. But you know, just tip of the cap again to Kyrie Irving for that. I think it was a million and a half dollar donation he, he uh, put forth for the players who opted out. WNBA players who opted out. So I mean, this goes to show you, man. You know, it's it's different ways to go about doing things, and you know. Hindsight being 2020, I'm sure Draymond he probably wouldn't say it publicly, but he probably want that back. Want that- <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's tough to say with Draymond, right? Because he, you know, for anything, for all his faults, he stands. He usually stands behind his
1: words, from what I've seen, right? Yeah, he he dies on those heels, man, for sure.
2: <laughs> that's that. Yeah. That's that. That's that Michigan in him. <laughs> that, that is, man.
0: You can say it, boy. Hey, I mean he, he sticks like you say, he sticks to his guns, he sticks to how he feels, he is, he's unapologetic in how he says how he feels. And that's just something you just gotta be cognizant of. I mean, you yep. can't be too upset because he's on he did hop on Kevin Durant's podcast um, on <laughs> boardroom. Yeah, man. I was and like, that, What? <laughs> that that was shocking considering that that KD literally said that was kind of the beginning of me saying I'm getting the hell out of here. So <laughs> i don't know man
1: one last thing about the the WNBA that that i'll say uh unless you guys want to want to offer up something too i I feel like and chris you would know this better than i would but i feel like there's more buzz around the WNBA maybe than there's ever been maybe since it's, its inception um between the jerseys between candace parker being on tnt what i think is on tuesdays and how like Every episode there seems to be all these memes that come out about how she's reacting to something that Shaq said. Yes. Uh, <laughs> man, I swear it's like you can, you can you can set your watch to it. It seems like man, um between that, between everything they've done uh for player empowerment for to to shed light on social injustice, like it just feels like there's a big boom that's about to happen, and I hope it does happen for the league for its players um and, you know, here in Chicago, Candace Parker coming back home, it's just a, a perfect storm of of the right mixture of ingredients to make for a hell of a, it seems like it's going to be a hell of a season.
2: Yeah, no, Drew, you you said exactly what I was thinking. This is the most um, that people have been talking about the WNBA in, in a long time and not for lack of. You know, not because the previous seasons were trash. You know, we saw Maya Moore dominate with uh, Lindsey Whalen in Minnesota the beginning of the decade.
0: I miss. And you,
2: those man. were some. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know how many people miss Maya Moore? Oh sure,
0: man, I miss.
2: Like me. true basketball fans. I think even some of the dudes who post the 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 every so often on my YouTube recommended it, it comes up some dude talking about how. WNBA players asking for pay aren't looking at the economics of the situation. It's like, yeah, we get it. You graduated from Econ two hundred two. Go go away. Go away. <laughs> Spotify is losing money every single day. You don't get it. <laughs> um, but yo, Maya Moore is just a consummate basketball player. And I remember when she was in that Uncle Drew commercial, the one in Chicago they shot in Chicago with her and Nate Rob. Um, and she was so good for the sport. But I think. The fact that she walked away brought attention to the league as much as her playing Mm. because it was for such an important and and it was such an unforeseen moment and for such an important cause. And that's what I think people are really getting on with the WNBA because people are people. You're going to have people who are true. You're going to have people who are false. You're going to have people who are good, bad such and so uh, so on and so forth. But most of these players, because they have to be, because they're women and because they're so spotlighted and scrutinized, they have to be authentic, right? This is the time where they get to be authentic. Um, and So you're seeing, like I said, you're, you're hearing these stories told more, but you're seeing more buzz. The league, the, uh, the NBA itself is, is getting behind them more. Um, companies are sponsoring and, and putting their dollars towards women's basketball more. And so it's kind of the, you know Drew, Josh, y'all both know about agenda setting. The agenda is being set so that we see it more and we talk about it more, right? The agenda is being set so that women's basketball is more present in our minds. And so I guess in that sense, it's artificial, but it's not undeserved because it's good sport. It's good entertainment. So yeah, man, you're right. This is probably since the Comets won their three in a row, this is the Ooh. biggest spotlight, I think, that the WNBA for sure has, has gotten. Awesome,
0: that's man. how you know we all. We talking about the Comets in Houston. Don't even have a team now.
2: Hey, bring uh-huh. the comments back, man. Bring the comments <laughs> back, B. For real. They was cold.
0: They, they was cold. Mm-hmm. They really set the stage for what competitive basketballs really like. And that's why you have all these WNBA teams excelling at the race that they were. I mean,
1: where's the, that? Where's that thirty for thirty at, man?
0: Right, yo. People have been talking about Detroit that for Shock? a while. <laughs> Detroit Shock. I mean, yeah. Why not? I would. I would love to do a, a, a to see ESPN do a documentary on Bill Lambeer and his time with the Detroit Shock. I would love to see that. <laughs> I mean, you talking about Detroit Piston coaching the women's professional basketball team of Detroit Shock and winning a championship? That's, that, would be some, that would be amazing, some, really something amazing to watch. But, yeah, to piggyback off what you're saying, Drew, I mean, yeah, this is for sure the biggest hype around the league. And it, and it couldn't have come at a more opportune time. And that's why you're seeing the league capitalizing on it so, for so much with the jerseys, with players being outspoken, with women signing deals, endorsement deals, and, and not just endorsement deals, but actual gigs, for them to perform in other avenues so that way their voices can be heard, like the Candace Parkers, like Renee Montgomery. You know, these these other uh, women that are utilizing their platforms for different things to get their own message out and still getting compensated for it. Uh, That's something that because of the pandemic and because of the support of the NBA, because of the support of professional athletes, because of the support of media outlets and media members like us, constantly speaking on these issues and supporting them through these issues avenues are being created now to where women have are gaining just as much equal access or even if not more access to those type of platforms uh shanae uh the espn and her multi-diversity in the platform you know they're they're creating their own brands which is something they should have been able to do in the first place but now it's really being um, accelerated in a way where you can have the, the shoe deals, you can have the TV gigs, you can have the, the, the clothing lines and things of that sort to help push you in the direction that you wanna brand yourself in. And that's why, especially for Chicago, the move for Candace Parker was so ideal. It was so legit because that's what we need. That's what Chicago deserves. Someone multi-demographic that can still hoop, but give back in a way that amplifies the city, the city base as a whole. We always know she's been ripping shy all her life, but it's nothing like playing in the city and having the deals that you have and ripping Chicago in a way that your fan base is gonna to wanna to support you that much more. D Rose was a prime example. Then Candace Parker is literally living now as the WNBA's version of the Derrick Rose coming home, playing for the home team. And the past years, when you talk about her, T- her TNT gigs, and being one of the first real major women to take that take that shoe endorsement deal to another level with Adidas, you know, she's already started. She's already been a trailblazer for the sport as is, but now she's taking it to another level and bringing it back home to the city. It's exciting. It's exciting. I'm excited. I will. Um, I have checked in with Blue Check Tone to figure out the exact date of when the Candace Parker jerseys drop so I can potentially buy one. And I just need her to sign it from the 630 so that way I can hang it in my office. That's all I ask. <laughs> Candace Parker, if you are listening to this, as a 630 native, <laughs> you, you from the Naperville, I'm from Las Vegas, we just right across, we just right next to each other. Right. We just right there. So therefore, as a 630 native, I ask that you sign the jersey that I'm going to buy and you just put your <laughs> sentence on it and then hashtag 630 after. to Let them know it's the, it's, it's, it's the 630 area code. Where we, uh, it's home. If you do that, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And then you're invited okay. to come on in the endoscope at any time you want. We'll make it I was happen. about to
2: say, Candace, Candace, if you listen to the show, come on the show, please. <laughs> please come on the
0: show. <laughs> Come on, come on, all the shows. We got come on all the shows, and that's a great way to end it, Chris. Shout out <laughs> all the shows because Chris, don't, he, Chris ain't even talking about Running a War. He was also talking about the Skyhook podcast.
2: You ain't sick, <laughs> no man. I, no man. I was like, hey, if you're listening to this show, come on this show because if you're a fan of this show, we would love to have you on this show. If you want to come on the Skyhook, that's that's cool too. That's cool.
0: <laughs> if Boy, you want to healthy, just make media rounds, <laughs> right? we can get you? Most definitely, man. Most definitely. We we love we love to talk sports. We love talking basketball. We love talking hoops. And this is a perfect platform to do it at running with board. You got Endoscope. You got the Skyhoop podcast. Drew, we gotta get you on a mic soon to get your own podcast eventually, man.
1: I don't know, man. I'm I'm not the rapper, man. I'm I'm the producer songwriter, man. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I feel you, man. I feel you. It'll, it'll eventually grow on you. It'll eventually grow on you. We'll be waiting. We'll be waiting. It grew on Chris. So if it grew on Chris, it's going to grow on you too. I have faith, my brother. That being said, though, man, thank you all for checking out this run of a war episode. And for those listening and not being able to actually view, follow us on the Twitter, on the Instagram. We out here. Drew Stevens, look at what Drew did. Quandry Kidding. I'm in
2: Twitter jail for about six more hours, so wait until, until what? like one a.m. Why yeah. you want
1: Twitter jail,
2: You on there? Because I roasted some dude who's trying to roast my friend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it later. But
0: we'll wait six hours, and Chris will be able to to you on Twitter at Quantray Kiddin and I on Instagram.
2: Them. friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking about, Chris. Man, go hard for your guys, man. Have to have to <laughs> <laughs>
0: most definitely man and follow and you can just follow me on social media instagram and twitter at josh m hicks media and follow we are Rebel radio war media on instagram twitter youtube that where we live stream we do the recordings we got a lot of stuff coming your way a lot of good, and, and a lot of major heat coming with you every week with the running with war Mm-hmm. so so just keep on be on the lookout for we look forward to having Kyle come back next week to give us his big brother insight and just like we always say man keep be safe out here and in, in the in the words of of our guy the minds keep your hands to yourself and keep balling <laughs>